It's Thursday, 10th of June, 2021. It's Jim, it's the world of bonds for professional investors only and never investment advice. An afternoon podcast for you today because we've just had the eagerly anticipated US inflation data for May. Remember that April's was really strong and people are expecting May to be strong as well, and it was, um, and it was stronger even than people had expected. So CPI for the United States came in at 5% year on year. The core number that excludes food and energy was at 3.8% year on year. Both of the year on year numbers were about 0.3 higher than the market had anticipated. And that 5% headline was the strongest number we'd seen for about 13 years. So, you know, big number. People were expecting a big number, but it was bigger than expected. And as a result of that, we've seen not a massive bond market reaction, actually. So 10-year US Treasuries um, are at 1.51%. That's up two or three basis points on the day. A little more at 30 years, three basis points. Um, and 10-year break-even inflation rates are up about four basis points. So for 10 years, we're now at 2.37%. Per year average inflation anticipated there. That's already come down quite a bit from the middle of last month. We were up nearly 2.6%. So it had weakened um, somewhat and people had felt they got a bit ahead of themselves and anticipating super high levels of inflation. But it has uh, today dipped up again four basis points. So what's driven this? Well, the, the short answer is cars, um, not just the used cars that we knew about. So used car prices are now up 30% year to date. Um, and they're, uh, you know, e even a relatively modest proportion of the overall CPI number that that is um, a a big contributor there's also new car prices which have followed suit and that's driven by raw material prices also driven by higher used car prices you know if you see that your substitute good has gone up in price you can make your good more expensive too and then there's also the car shortages we know about due to uh, shortages of semiconductors and chips that go into cars so a shortage of new cars uh, their prices have gone up too. And then finally, car hire prices have gone up substantially uh, as well. Um, I don't know what that's down to necessarily. Staycationers in the United States, perhaps. Um, but um, I think there's also been some, you know, over the last couple of years, car hire companies haven't replaced their fleet to the same extent, uh, especially during COVID. So they have a shortage of fleet cars effectively. If you strip out used cars alone, that 5% year on year goes down to 4.2%. But nevertheless, big, um, exciting numbers in the US inflation. It is fair to say that May's number is thought to be the peak. So um, a lot of what we're seeing now is about base effects. Where we were a year ago, the kind of deflationary and disinflationary shock that we saw in the couple of months uh, following lockdown due to coronavirus, that will now start fading away. So for the rest of the summer and onwards, the big base effects that have led to higher inflation should start dropping out of uh, the inflation numbers and it should be um, a bit more benign. This should be the peak to some extent. Um, I think what is worth mentioning and uh, Swedbank put out a good piece on this earlier today is to say that, you know, we know the Fed has this flexible average inflation targeting regime now where if you've had an undershoot in inflation, you'll tolerate an overshoot in inflation. Well, on that basis, looking back since the start of the pandemic to the beginning of 2020, we now do have a significant overshoot. So if we think about a price level 
for all goods uh, that consumers buy and then inflate that by the Fed's target of 2%. We see where we should have been compared to the start of 2020. We're now substantially above that number, having been below it for the uh, most of 2020, thanks to the disinflationary impact of coronavirus. Now, if we went back even further for a decade or so, we're now back at trend. So if we'd put that 2% inflation in, um, going back to you know, 2010, 2011, we're now having been for a lot of that period the loss of the past decade below the trend line for inflation and this is kind of the issue have central banks let inflation you know fail to meet their inflation target the answer was yes but that's no longer the case over the past decade in the united states where inflation is back up above the trend line of where two percent inflation would have delivered you so uh, not much going on in markets to be honest on the back of that news and the dollar's reasonably flat on the day as well now. At the same time, we've got the ECB press conference. Christine Lagarde is speaking at the moment. Um, slightly dovish, I think, in some ways. You know, they're talking about it being premature to discuss exiting the PEP, the, that pandemic emergency purchasing facility that they've got for buying bonds. Hasn't done a lot for their bond market. I think that was generally as expected, although some of the peripheral bonds uh, are doing better than bonds as a result of that. So actually Italian 10-year government bonds are down two basis points where uh, the bond market is up one basis point on the day. So a bit of an outperformance of the periphery on what's regarded as a, a kind of mildly dovish ECB. Um, they're talking about being premature and would pose a risk to the ongoing eco economic recovery and the outlook for inflation if financial conditions tighten a bit more than that. But some positive stuff as well around growth, the, out the growth outlook for the first time since December 18, they're talking about being broadly balanced. Uh, however, saying all of that, what's the ECB's inflation uh, forecast for two years' time? 1.4%. So throwing the kitchen sink in some ways at this through QE and, and low rates. But even with that and with what's going on in the US and commodity prices and food prices and energy prices, etc., etc., 1.4% is as good as it gets as far as the um, ECB's own forecasts are concerned. Not much else going on in markets. I was intrigued to see um, a high yield issuer. I think it's called MicroStrategy um, issuing $400, $500 billion worth of high yield bonds in order to buy Bitcoin. So you get paid 6.5%, um, 6.25% .5%, um, till 2028 as a high yield issuer. Um, as long as Bitcoin really doesn't fall out of bed. So it, it seems like it's a fairly um, good bet for micro strategy, but less perhaps a good bet for, for bond investors. But who knows? Don't have an opinion on that, uh, obviously. So, and the other thing I saw that I thought was relatively interesting, Philip Salmon, who I think is a, a decent writer, uh, written some good books over time, um, writes for a website now called Axios, and they have some estimates on there that criminals may have stolen as much as half of the unemployment benefits the, the United States has paid over the past year. And that might be $400 billion has gone to fraudulent unemployment claims. And 70% of that has been stolen by imposters which have left the country effectively, uh, uh, criminal syndicates in China, Nigeria, Russia and elsewhere, according to this. Sounds utterly implausible to me, but um, uh, interesting nevertheless. And the Treasury Department of the United States has declined to comment on these estimates. So enjoy the rest of your week and uh, catch you soon. Bye.